hello internet <laughs> gotcha mid swig so you just <laughs> i was waiting for the internet to say hello back oh yeah it never does each rude. each episode i say hi and it never says hi back because it's like some rude prick or something yeah uh if you recognize that voice from the two words, that's the return of Adrian Mack. And I was going to sing that song by Mark Morrison, the return of the Mac, mm. but with the racial tensions, the way they are right now, I don't know if I'm allowed to sing that song live on my Facebook post. No, you might be approved or accused uh, of appropriation episode. Yeah. Also, I think my voice is so good and I would hit the notes so correctly that later when we upload this to YouTube, we'd get a copyright infringement because they'd be like, that is Mark Morrison. So I don't know why he's putting this in his podcast. But the Outrage Factory has a slush fund for that kind of eventuality, does it not? I think the Outrage Factory fund is enough to maybe get one slush. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Very clever. I, I turned it into a pun because that's, yeah. that's what I do. Yes, you do. Now, you were saying that you've never joined a band. No, I've never been in not, a band. You're not musical. No, see, there's like, I, I tried to learn bass. I even had my bass. And I learned how to play Son of a Gun by Nirvana. And that's the extent of my musical ability went. And I had the opportunity to join two bands. Like I went to this one band. When I lived in Edmonton, there, I, saw, I answered like an open call for bassist. And they're like, we're looking for someone to play and i was like oh yeah what are your influences and i was like i can basically play rudimentary nirvana which is the easiest thing to play and they're like well we like big wreck and i was like that's such a random band to be really into yeah, nobody liked big wreck did they? i mean there was that one song when did. he was falling down the stairs and he had that kind of novelty cool voice but was, yeah, was like, that the the oaf yeah the oaf. Called the oaf yeah was that that song oaf or was the album the oaf i don't know yeah. I ended I did end up I wrote a bio for that fellow. What was did his you? name? Thornley, something Thornley. Very nice man. When we were but, at the nerve or some other time? I think we were at the nerve at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many copies he sold of that record. But anyway, nice enough guy. I mean, you know. Yeah, so oh, and then um I tried to be in another band like before that with my friends, and they're like, Yeah, you suck it instruments i was like i know i told you before you insisted i try and, I, and they're like yeah and then i was just like you know what i'll just try to be funny instead because i'm really good at that and, <laughs> and, and not being in, a <laughs> in spite of all this you were prepared to sing mark morrison's timeless hit return, return of the, the mac, mac. For return your of the mac see it there sounds exactly like it oh, that was really good actually i looked up the video and it was funny because he has like a weird high voice where he pronunciates his words a lot. And I was like, that's hilarious. I don't remember it sounding like this. Is pronunciate a word? It should be. Yeah. yeah. In any case, I can actually, I can say. Wait, what I is think, it? Enunciate? I think it's enunciate. What did or, I say? Pronunciate? You said pronunciate. Yeah, that's not a word. Yeah, that's okay. Wow. You know, as um, nothing matters anymore. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can We're make. all going to die. We can make up language. No, yeah. language, language evolves. Hey, all I got to say is vomit didn't exist before Shakespeare invented it, the word. So maybe one of these words will someday it, be as strong as vomit. I didn't know that. Is that true? That is very true. Oddly Unless enough. Unless the internet lied to me. No, I can't imagine that would ever happen. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
I was talking to some friends just before you got in touch to do this. Uh, yeah. And we, we were discussing um, that fellow uh, down in somewhere in the Southern States who, who rewrote the lyrics to the night they drove old Dixie down because he was asked to perform that song. And I think it was a, a tribute concert for, to the last waltz, you know, the, the band thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or are you just No, none of this is landing with me. I'm sorry. I don't know who this fellow is. I don't even know what song that is. I don't know what the last waltz is. <laughs> I think you're it lying. It sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> I think you're lying. Explain well, it to me like, just, okay, I know what everything is, but just in case our listeners don't know what it is, explain it just like I've never heard of it. Well, way, way, way back. In the, I don't know, I have fucking thousands of years ago <laughs> when uh, uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of young Canadians went down to the United States hmm. drunk, drunk on the music of the people down there and, oh. and, and, and more or less invented a, a genre of music that is now called Americana. Wait, are you I, saying Americana was invented by Canadians? I, I'm actually saying that. Well, That's you know, it was, it, was, it was appropriated by Canadians. Wait. And, and anyway, uh, you know, they had a big hit with this song called The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. It was sung by the one American in the band, a fellow by the name of Levon Helm. I think you probably knew that too. He was from Arkansas. It's a fantastic song. It's a song, it's a song that is dripping with compassion and humanity and, and, and mercy, although it is sung from the point of view of a Confederate soldier. So, so this is problematic in 2020 if you're a young, I think he's maybe Texan. I can't remember. Yeah. Who cares? But this young musician who, who's prominent enough anyway that Rolling Stone would do a story about this if Rolling Stone matters. Do I need to explain Rolling Stone? No, I'm not that old. I know what Rolling Stone is. <laughs> so he said it was actually, you know, I, I appreciated his, his sincerity. He said, I grew mm -hmm. up in the South where racism is systemic and I'm, and I'm, this is, I'm taking a stand. I was asked to perform this song and he changed the lyrics to reflect his, uh, his point of view. His misgivings. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so my friends and I were discussing whether that's a legitimate thing to do or not. I think ultimately it doesn't matter. Although, you know, the song's author who was, uh, mohawk he might have something to say about it in any, any case uh uh i w it reminded me of when i was a kid like in the 80s and there was a big uh, brew haha in my school about uh shakespeare's merchant of venice what school and, is this well it was Ma really it was matthew humberston comprehensive in the north of england in cleethorpes Oh, the North of England! Yeah, yeah. Is that how you talked when you were a kid? I don't know. Sorry, did I disrail your story? No, I don't think so. Did, but you, did you wear the short pants with the long socks? No, no, but we did have to wear a school uniform. But it was a, it was a what would you call it here? It was a, a public, here it would be a public school. It was a okay. shit school. It was a shit school for working class folk. <laughs> but we, you know, it wasn't so shit that we didn't learn Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, but you know there was this there was this terrible flap at the time uh, because the Merchant of Venice was seen to be uh, perhaps anti-Semitic. Oh, and and I think it's a worthwhile discussion. Except there wasn't some fucking jackass trying to rewrite it. 
Yeah. I, I, anyway, I would argue that the night they drove old Dixie down is not really problematic and that it is okay to write from the context of, you know. Yeah, that's it, where you get into this whole story. thing where it's like you can't, like, yeah, his, some history is problematic and you don't want to glorify, like, say, a Confederate soldier, but you should – like those were still people they were still fighting and they st- still had a- opinions and emotions like so you can say kind of what they went through even though they were the bad guys and they ultimately can. lost you, you have to you have to have you have to have uh, compassion empathy and mercy for everybody otherwise we're lost as a culture I think. yeah exactly and, and uh you know as much as i understand the impulse to pull down a statue i i, I mean i think it's probably probably would be wiser to instead perhaps i'm quoting a friend now he said this just before it got on on, on this thing yeah this interphone and uh and he's like how about you know you erect a plaque saying hey this guy was a piece of shit and here's why yeah uh, you know erasing history i'm i'm repeating what others have said but i but i, I don't disagree with it erasing history is what theocracies do it's what totalitarian uh cultures do it's it's what the Khmer Rouge did it's what the Taliban did do we want to do that I don't think so but I but equally I understand the impulse and let's just say these are very complex times yeah so with the statues um what I think they should do is maybe not tear down all of them but all the ones that were hastily put up in the 60s to kind of just as a poke in the eye of the civil rights music our movement just get rid of all those because they're like shitty and made fast and put up around the southern u.s which ones are you talking about i don't know about these ones i don't know exactly which ones but there are some of these confederate statues in the states that were put up in the 60s like it's not all like all these statues weren't put up like right after the civil war to commemorate it like some of them were put up basically by white dickheads so that they could somehow hold on to their culture that they felt they were going to lose with the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And all those that you could freely take them down. I don't really care. You're okay with that. I'm okay with I, that. I, I got nothing to say on that, but I will say this. If you are, uh, well, before, before we started going live, yeah, I, I said these words to you. I Do said, I-, I said, you know what? We, well, we were yeah. reminiscing, weren't we? We were reminiscing yeah. about the first time I came on the show and got yelled at by all your fucking listeners. Hey, that was that, was that one friend. Um, I'm not going to defend her because I don't think she actually watches the podcast anymore, so she's dead to me. But like I told you before, I felt <laughs> like it was a bit too angry to be... Oh, fuck. What, I said it so perfectly when the camera wasn't on. Uh, oh, I said were, it sounded were fucking a little, brilliant before the camera yeah, came. On. It sounded a little too angry and cutting to be genuine. So uh, that's what I thought. Well, do you think that she had like some personal animus towards me because I fucking hurt her friend or something? Did I do? Did I no, do something? I don't anyway, think, I don't care. I don't think but, your guys' orbits have crossed. Well, I mean, well, but you did live in Vancouver, and she lives in Vancouver for. And I hurt a lot of people in Vancouver. I should. Oh, you let's, let's, let's clear the air right now. I did a lot. You're of like a teddy bear. All you did was hug love into people. Yeah, I did. I will not hear otherwise. <laughs> Before we got on the uh, fucking Facebook or whatever it is, Facebook. We were talking. We were reminiscing about my first appearance on your. Oh yeah. Show. And it was it was it was upon the advent mm-hmm. of the protests in down in the states. Yeah, uh, that the seems like 
After the murder of George ago. Floyd, it seems like a million years ago, but yeah. they're going on, you know. Mm. And uh, I can't like I can't believe they're still like I could believe they're still protesting. I've never been against that, but I can't believe they're still like want to burn down buildings and smash windows. It's like I thought I would stop you right there and I would ask you. Yes. Are they really burning down buildings? Where are you getting your information from? If they are That's, building down, if they're built burning down buildings, are they perhaps being provocateur into that kind of action? Because in general, yeah, I find that these these sorts of these these negative aspects that t- tend to assert themselves during mm-hmm. any public protest. That's a very ninety nine point nine percent of the time are started by the other fucking side. Yeah, and, and, and they did- once. They did say that once the federal agents that were in Portland evacuate or not evacuated left, that it did calm down a lot. I'm sure it did. Yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, this is a great time for me personally because uh, you know I've sort of been vindicated in so many ways. My friends have been calling me names for fucking decades, and yet here we are in 2020. And um, here's here's the here's an estimation of the situation. In 2020, yeah. uh, uh, it turns out that the world really is run by a, a, an elite cabal of pedophiles. Dude, isn't that crazy? Like everybody, <laughs> sorry. That's real. Well, now we know that's real. Uh, the uh, Homeland Security is literally disappearing American citizens off the streets in Portland, Chicago, and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And the Pentagon would like to talk to you about UFOs. My fucking world has come to pass, and you all made fun of me. See, but the thing is, this is the worst feeling, the worst I told you so ever. Because I know. Oh, I'm not happy about it. You've been talking about this stuff. You're like, oh, there's a ring of pedophiles, and everybody's like, no, there isn't. And you're like, one day you're going to find out. And they found out, wow. and now you can't even be the asshole who's like, I told you so, because they're like, really? I know, because then it's, then it's about me. Yeah, and it's, it's such a dark, <laughs> shitty thing to talk about, being like, yeah, I, I knew there was this secret ring of pedophiles. Oh, that's why I'm mostly sticking to the UFO angle now. <laughs> Segway here. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is the DNC convention <laughs> announced who they're going to have as speakers, and they're going to yeah. let Bill Clinton speak. It's like, yeah. they're so fucking dumb. Like, first... They get, they're like, oh, we got to beat Trump. So they give you Hillary and you're like, what? And then Hillary fucks around and the DNC is corrupt and they fuck over Bernie Sanders. And then the leader of the DNC actually announces why she feels bad or whatever for doing that, steps down. And then Hillary hires her as her campaign manager, which was a huge mistake because her campaign was trashed. And basically the DNC lost that election and Trump didn't win it. And then next time they're like, oh, we got another great candidate to beat down Trump and that's Joe Biden. And you're like, really? That guy who's been sniffing hair and like has sexual abuse claims against him, DNC? Let's let's stop being around the bush. He's a full on predator. Yeah. He just is. And and, uh, But one of the amusing things about the, the shit lib world is that, you know, one kind of rapist is you know terrible and needs to be removed from office but the other kind of rapist apparently is okay oh my 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 contempt for the dnc is endless yeah and they should publicly apologize horror at sorry 
I, I was just going to say they should publicly apologize for giving Trump two presidencies. That's yeah, I think you're right. I, I mean, I think he's he's yeah, we're looking for, at a second term and it's going to be way worse. Mm-hmm. It's going to be way worse. But let's not forget that, you know, Trump's I call it I, I, I refer to it here as Trump's legis, legislative agenda. It's not his. He's there's no no president really makes these decisions. Uh, yeah. But but Trump's the Trump administration's entire legislative agenda, especially in areas where it's particularly egregious and harmful to the yeah. working class. The entire thing has been fucking rubber stamped by the Democrats. Everything, every mm-hmm. fucking tax break for the rich, every huge gift to the military, everything. And, and whenever that administration does step out of line, for instance, when it wants to remove troops from Afghanistan, suddenly you're going to get all these bullshit stories about how, you know, the Russians... The Russians yeah. are putting bounties on the heads of American soldiers <laughs> and Donald Trump doesn't care. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a fucking hopeless situation. And so, so, you know, as I think I said to you last time, I'm just, I'm eager for the collapse, the entire collapse of everything, because I don't think there are actual political solutions for, for the, the crises that we're facing. Obviously, that's, you know, in America, there's, there's, that's, abundantly clear and then i think mm-hmm. in canada it will become clear i mean any any all western democracies are wait what's wrong with trudeau oh no, he's great <laughs> um well i, I, was, like say- Chris, I was just listening to a great uh podcast the other day with, well i listen you know it's chapel trap house whoa, 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 whoa. you don't listen to other podcasts besides this one sometimes i listen to my own not often okay that's the only one you're allowed to listen to <laughs> besides my podcast our podcast yeah. all right I listen, I listen to movie podcasts because here's the truth, Dale. I don't actually want to be part of the dialogue anymore. I find it far too stressful. I used to make my living, you mm-hmm. know, uh, making, a, uh, proffering opinions in public. And, uh, and I might do that again, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it, it's so fraught. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been laid off for a little while, so I've had some time to think about what I do. Yeah. And, uh, so you don't want to start a occluded history podcast with me like as, as a sidekick an occluded history podcast yeah, yeah remember actually. last week last time you're on i called it conspiracy theory and you got mad and basically <laughs> at my dick and told me that i should call it occluded <laughs> history. i actually don't remember that but that's fucking brilliant yeah um sorry i totally just shut oh what i was gonna say is one good i was gonna say oh um, no, go ahead one good way to get out of having to do commentary on politics and stuff is be like me and somehow never be able to grasp what's going on or learn it. And even if I do learn it, I always just forget it. I think it's like some subconscious self-defense mechanism where politics are either so evil and gross or exceptionally boring that my brain's like, we're not remembering this. We got like video games and like you said, movies and stuff to think about. (laughs) So politics, just leave that for like the greedy smart people. You you know, I, um, I I remember, I recall hearing uh, Norm MacDonald uh, talking about Bill Maher and and saying, you know, the, the problem with Bill Maher is that he wants to be the smartest guy in the room and, and good comedy is the opposite of that you're you know you play the dumb guy yeah uh and you know all my favorite comedians play the dumb guy you play the dumb guy i mean <laughs> you know norm Macdonald consistently for instance yeah. 
plays the dumb guy, but he's way smarter than you or I. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's, where, that's where Bill Maher, who's not a smart guy, <laughs> that's, yeah. where he, that's where he fails mm-hmm. uh, consistently and for decades on end. <laughs> and yet, very, very highly paid. I'm, uh... It's worth pointing out that, you know, Bill Maher deigned to go on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. Not oh, I listened to that episode because I listened to every episode of the Joe Rogan podcast because I'm a giant Joe Rogan honk. Are you? Yes. Okay. I think he's the most important man right now. In all, the, the most world. important man in the Besides in the Elon world? Musk. Yeah. Well, in media. Let's, let's, say, <laughs> let's say in media because what? he just... He's presenting scientists and learned minds to the people sure. who otherwise wouldn't have access to those. Like he's taking, like for, yeah. for lack of a better term, he's taking like frat boy jocks and he's introducing them to people like Johan Johari and sleep doctors and nutritionists. And he's basically giving them a chance to somehow like create their lives or increase their life, make their lives better and focus on their health. Whereas everybody else who has a podcast that has someone like Johari come on is some sort of just like pretentious douchebag who looks down on Joe Rogan's audience and would never, ah, yeah, would never give them access to a guest who's actually going to like cause them to emotionally evolve. I 100% agree. I yeah. have, I have lots of issues with Joe Rogan. I often have issues. I don't listen to everything, but, mm. but he, he, he strikes me as a, a meathead with a very open mind. And yeah, I, he is. I, I, I prefer what he calls that. himself. <laughs> it does he really? Yeah. He's like, I'm a meathead. I'm a cage commentator and I'm right. a stand-up comedian. I don't know much, but I like talking to people who do. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 w- I will always have issues with him and, and uh, just like I will always have issues with everybody. And I think that's okay. Uh, but he's, you know, he really impressed me recently. He did a three hour interview with a fellow called Tom O'Neill mm-hmm. who, who, who wrote the book chaos, which was a mm. sort of revisionist. That episode that's was the, great. That's the wrong word to use. Uh, it, a, 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 a more enlightened take on the Manson situation. Yeah. Manson murders. And uh, he really proved his mettle with that, that episode. He knew, what he, he knew what he was talking about, and he, and he was curious. And, uh, I mean, I t- I, that's something that I just happen to take personally because I've mm-hmm. had, had, had a personal interest for a long time. And um, to, to see that kind of uh, occluded history make its... <laughs> <laughs> make its way into what's considered the mainstream now is, is really heartening to me. Yeah. See, the thing about Joe Rogan is he's always been into occluded history and he's always presented subjects like that. Like yeah. he never had someone as robust as Tom O'Neill on, but he had like, he's had like that fighter pilot who saw the Tic Tac um, UFO. And then he had, he even had Bob Lazar on, which was a great podcast too. Yeah. That was really interesting. Bob Lazar yeah. is an interesting character. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate what he does. Uh, but let's, let's wind way back here. <laughs> okay. Let's stop. T- let's stop me gushing about Joe Rogan. Cause Derek's going to have a fucking aneurysm. Once you know, <laughs> I actually, I got one more thing to say about Joe Rogan. I got to get it off Is my that? chest because it's been fucking haunting me for, I don't know, yeah. months, if not years now, but whenever I try 
whenever I try in my head to uh, remember, to imagine Joe Rogan in news radio, I see Tony Danza. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to make you laugh. That's actually what happens. And it's a fucking, it's a struggle. I have to go back. I went, actually went back and looked at old episodes. I was like, no, he looks like that. Yeah. Not like that. Well, the thing is his character in news radio was very Tony Danza-esque. He was always like, hey, yo. Yeah. yeah, He was, yeah. He was the Italian American with the the broken nose and he was a boxer. I remember there's an episode where he, I think he boxed Andy Dick and Andy Dick won. And that was, that was, that was like the big fucking twist in the episode. It was, was the prize for winning the fight. Was Andy Dick got to make out with him? I don't think it was, but I think. Because if Andy Dick I made think, the rules, that would have been one of them. Well, I, yes, in real life, had that fight taken place, that would have been the prize. Yes. <laughs> but how, now, however, we were talking just before the uh, internet came on. Yeah, about, uh, 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 our first podcast together when that lady yelled at me and and I and and the uh, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement was yes. was like fucking starting to gear up. Yeah, and uh, and uh, well, we, we were reminiscing about that, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were and talking you, because and you said and you said, "What's your take, Adrian?" And I said, "My take is this." Yeah. Dale, I said, uh, "Fucking bees." I that's, said, uh, <laughs> that's a weird take, but go ahead. <laughs> Fucking bees. <laughs> you know, it's even funnier because it wasn't a bee, it was a wasp. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> I said, uh, you know, I think I'm really excited still about what's happening down there. I think it's necessary. I think it's great. I, I think it's going to go horribly wrong probably in the long run, but, but that's, mm-hmm. all part, that's all part of the great unraveling. <laughs> yeah. But, however, Black Lives Matter. I believe Black Lives Matter, but uh, orgies of white guilt on Twitter don't. <laughs> That's don't. Oh, I love that. They don't fucking matter at all. Orgies of white guilt out. Mm-hmm. I love that saying because that's basically what it is. Like, yeah, black people shouldn't be killed by the police, but I don't need to hear about from like any more white people about how they feel bad for what happened in the past. Just change it and you won't have to feel bad. Like make an effort to not um, going forward to not, uh, fuck, I can't think of the word, but like, just don't do, just don't do racism anymore. And then it'll (laughs) get better. Basically that's, think of some smart way to say, don't do racism anymore. No, I I wish that was actually the slogan. Just don't do racism (laughs) anymore. Yeah. Black lives matter. Don't do racism anymore. Yeah. I know. I, 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 um, again, I, I understand and appreciate the impulse. Mm-hmm. However, when people's, when people's Twitter avatars started changing so that it was a picture of them with their black friend, then I think we're in some, you know, pretty fucking not healthy territory. Yeah, no, exactly. You know? Like it, when it became like a fetishism of their right. approval of <laughs> yes. black culture, then it was just like, all right, guys. Fetishism is a fantastic word for, I think, what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, uh, that is not to diminish the importance of the whole thing or, or the necess- necess- fuck. Fuck, necessity. Yeah. I mean, necessity. I'm... Pronunciate. Like, like, yeah. 
Hey, that's that's my job is to not be able to do words on this podcast, buddy. <laughs> I'm the guy who's pretending to be the dumb guy for comedic right, effect. Right. And I'm pretending to be the smart one. <laughs> yeah, to be the unfunny smart guy. We right. talked about this at length. <laughs> um, what I was going to say What our was, listeners don't know is that we are actually working off a script. Yeah. What I was going to say was, like, I'm all for, like, police in this, like – Police in the I say police in the state specifically because the police up here are different, and they really are, the RCMP is any different. I think, the, they, I think the RCMP is essentially a militia that beats on indigenous people. Yes, but they've had more programs enacted where they have to have go through like cultural sensitivity training and such. Whereas in the states, they don't necessarily. But for me. I'm against police defunding. I want them to put like way more money in so that you can afford to hire people who are better cops, like better people, because people who are smart and good and talented go where the money is. And police office, being a police officer doesn't pay that much. Plus you're in harm's way. So you're not going to take that job. But if it paid more, more people would be willing to do it. And then if you also paid more into the police system, they could get more training and more mental health support and like basically you have all these people who are traumatized with guns on their hip when you say more mental health support who are the mental health supporters that are doing that work well like are they cops and stuff or or the police officers right like I'm i'm not talking about taking roles away from the police and giving them to social workers because there are programs where they are what they should do is have like pair up a police officer with a social support worker and then they can go to domestic disputes and stuff because you can't just send a a social support worker to a domestic dispute because those are usually like i guess statistically those are one of the like highest jumps in violence because when you get there the people are all wound up and they're like fighting so they're all angry and then if you just bash on the door they're going to like be super angry well, so certainly I, in my personal experience, that's true. However, yes. uh, <laughs> it was a really, really off-color joke. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not. I'm really not sure what what to say to that. This is this is a that would be another four-hour-long discussion. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm <clears throat> I, if 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 the uh, slogan is defund the cops. Yeah, I can get behind that. And and if that means you know uh, reallocating those resources into social programs that actually mm-hmm. are going to um, help uh, nip these problems in the bud rather yeah. than rather than deal with them when they explode into hopeless violence, then yeah, <laughs> defund yeah. the police. But having said that, didn't we have a list of fucking things that we're supposed to? <laughs> Yeah, we do have a list of things. Hey, we don't call it like the other name. You're going, off, you're going off script. Tangent Factory for a reason, because that's all we do. Yeah. So um, was there <laughs> something from the list specifically you wanted to talk about? No, not at all. I like, the, I like the DNC thing, just so I can say once again that I have nothing but contempt for the DNC and nothing but contempt <laughs> for the, for the, the ah, it's a cheap slur but I'll use it for the shit libs who are telling you to vote for Biden 
no matter what. Hey. Because, because the only thing that matters is removing Trump. I 100% disagree with that. I think every time, I think a vote for Biden is a way of uh, surrendering any, the tiny little power that you have these days. The, yeah. the DNC will never improve if mm-hmm. you keep doing that. And, and in any case, it's not going to work. There's going to be a second fucking term of Trump. If they had run Sanders instead of cheating him out of the nomination, then yeah. I think they would have had a chance. Speaking of, I notice uh, again on the Twitter that, and I'll, well, just in the media in general, everybody's very, very upset about uh, Trump and voter fraud. And yet yeah. nobody said a fucking thing about Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg? and Iowa. Yeah, and the clear election election fraud that mm-hmm. that was, I think, the, the 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 first real salvo in the DNC's attempt to destroy Sanders again. Yeah, no one's talking about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing I think DNC has it's almost like they're like, look, Biden was a predator pre- pedophile, but now he's so full of dementia that he probably won't do anything bad. No, but so, you'll end up with a fucking, well, you'll end up with California's top cop. You'll end up with Kamala. Yeah. And basically and, uh, you're voting def- for Kamala fucking Harris. Fucking defund Kamala Harris, man. <laughs> like it's almost ironic because they're like all these like far left, they're like doing all this, like defund the police. We got to do this. And then the DNC being tone deaf yet again is like, Oh, Hey, how about this ex-cop to vote for? Because right. Biden right. probably can't even tie his shoes anymore. Like, has anybody seen his shoes? Are they Velcro? Because <laughs> that guy's like losing it. They're so- actually they're actually Kleenex boxes. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> so it's it's like it it would just be like what one or two months before Kamala took over. Yeah, like it would be worse than. Bush and Cheney because th- back then at least they pretended like Bush was doing stuff and it wasn't just like oh, oh, oh yeah the the uh, the um, what the 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 weird nostalgia people have for Bush now yeah is horrifying dude uh, yeah dude everybody just forgot the whole not my president thing and one term <laughs> president like who is so bad that. Yeah. They can't even use those slogans anymore. Like they burned them before Trump. Like you can't even call Trump one-term president because people are like, "Oh, we said that for Bush." Yeah. Don't we like Bush now? No, no, no. The center has reformed, and by yeah. the, by which I mean, you know, the, the sort of the, the Democrat establishment and all of those poor fools who who do their bidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Bush is okay with them now. It's it's, but it was ever thus. You see this happen again and again. I remember when Nixon was being forgiven. Uh, and whoever else. Hey, I'll say this, by the way, mm-hmm. about um, performative white liberal guilt. One thing that, that a lot of, uh, I think most Americans uh, need to do, we talked about this on the last episode, yeah. is uh, they, they need to confront what happened in the 60s with the assassinations of all, all the progressive leaders that, actually had a purchase on the 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 electoral mind back then and by mm-hmm. that i mean kennedy who was uh who who was determined to leave vietnam and 
Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King in particular, who was talking about redistribution of wealth. Uh, he moved on from civil rights to human rights. He was calling America the greatest exporter of terrorism on the planet. And then finally, Robert Kennedy, who, who had had an enormous change of heart uh, when he was campaigning for president and was determined to, um, determined to reveal that his brother had been killed by the national security state. Uh, who, who were the murderers of all those other people? Because they, of course, they cut the progressive movement off at its knees. They, they destroyed the peace movement with those assassinations. And what have you got now? Well, you've got a holiday called Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got, a lot of, you've got a lot of people talking about racism down in, down in the States. None of them are confronting the fact that Martin Luther King was, was killed by his own government. You know, when is that discussion going to be had? And, and, and that really speaks to, I think, the surface level unsophisticated nature of political dialogue right now, and not just in America, but everywhere. Yeah. Um, so you ask what's wrong with Trudeau? Well, let's... <laughs> lots. And there's, lots wrong with his, there's lots wrong with his cabinet, but if you if you're satisfied with platitudes, then he's okay. You know? Yeah, and I and I think that's what we're trafficking in with Biden and Kamala Harris is platitudes, mm-hmm. um, usually wrapped around identity politics. And and in the meantime, uh, you know, class war is being waged on a fucking nuclear scale, and especially during COVID, uh, which yeah. has seen a consolidation of corporate wealth and power unlike anything in history and you know we're we're arguing about fucking pronouns <laughs> are we still arguing about that I no we i was reaching for something but i was reaching for a like, really killer last line there and that's yeah funny. sorry i stepped on it you you're no guy. no it was a bad one but but you know we're <laughs> we're arguing about i don't know like who's a very good point who fucking you know said a bad word 20 years ago i don't know whatever it is it's yeah. all meaningless it's all fucking meaningless like we're milkshake ducking everybody when yes, there you go. we should just be like paying attention to politics and what the government's doing that isn't to do with UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's like, what? They said that we have UFOs? It's like, yeah, they have material from a, from a craft that wasn't born on Earth. And you're like, cool. Can you do anything with it yet? And they're like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I I could go on about that, but let's go back to your list of okay, idiot, my list idiot, idiot things in the last week that we're supposed to yes complain Ooh, about. Let's. Do you want to shift gears completely and not talk about politics anymore? Since I, I don't mind what we talk about. Okay. In well, the distance, I, my wife, by the way, is laying paving stones. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of construction. Yeah, I should be, but I'm not. <laughs> You're like, no, I can't lay paving stones. Dale has a Honey, podcast that people I gotta, have to watch. I got to yell at the internet. Yeah, there's there's people who are wrong on the internet. I am busy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want... Okay, so you live on... I always blank on the name. I always want to say Quadra, but it's not. You live on. It's not hard. It's Salt Spring. Yeah, Salt Spring. I don't. I it's only the suburb it. of the Gulf Islands. It's like it's like living in East Van. Is it? Yeah, and it's full of people from East Van at this it's point. It's fucking isn't totally it? full of people. <laughs> yeah, and I believe me, the Islanders don't care for it. <laughs> yeah. So, are you guys 
super like into the COVID whole thing there right now or? Uh, no, I, there's, uh, uh, I think there's a lot of, I don't know what you would call them, sort of quasi libertarian um, folks here. Uh, maybe, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, old anti-government hippies, mm -hmm. uh, a, a lot of, a lot of people who, who are questioning, you know, the consensus narrative in their own ways, uh, which, which I, you know, I got no problem with that, but, yeah. but I think you would find we've had quite a few guests recently because it's the summer season and people yeah. want to get the fuck out of Vancouver. So they come and hang out at my bar here. I'm sitting in my, my personal bar. On What's South your bar Island. called? If well, any the, of us want to go piss off the well, it's, Islanders. It, 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 first of all, you can only get here with an invite, but for, okay. for the record, it's called uh, the whale Inn. <laughs> Because okay. it's it's named after I can't show it to you. I can't move my computer here, but it's named yeah. after a giant, enormous portrait of Waylon Jennings that I have uh, hanging on the far wall. Oh, uh, nice! Yeah, yeah. And you, so you come here, you you drink local beer, and you listen to country music, and and me, <laughs> you listen to me. Like, talk shit. okay, this is a very specific question that will affect if I ever come to the Whale Inn or not. Oh. Is it? We'd love to have you shitty emo singer new country that is justin bieber with a twang or is it outlaw classic country like waylon jennings yeah it's it's it, there's no shitty new country okay i'll come yeah <laughs> i hate the i hate new country so much it's horrible. and being in the trades in an er, major urban center is where you get hot new country the most like people, i guess you do yeah. Sorry. People who work in the trades in Alberta say they all listen to metal and rock and because they don't have to like prove that they're from the country and that they're like a good old boy or something. So they don't listen to like <laughs> the country radio station. Oh, it's so, it's so annoying. You know, on the list of things that you sent me that we were supposed to talk about, there's something yeah. about Nickelback. And I tried to find out what the fuck Nickelback had done that was so outrageous to you. Oh, they have a new yeah. album. I think their new album came out yesterday. Oh, okay. I don't care. But here's the thing. <laughs> I, I do remember many, many years ago, you're going to, this, this will amuse you. Yeah. I also, did I do a bio? I think I did a bio for Nickelback at one point. Probably. They had albums out when we were at The Nerve in 2005 to seven. I think. If I didn't do that, I did work with their uh what manager lawyer Svengali 604 records mm -hmm. show jonathan simkin who's a fairly notorious character in vancouver mm -hmm. um but i you know i like jonathan and he gave me a lot of work and i certainly appreciate that and uh uh you know i always tried to be honest with him i mean i never cared for nickelback but yeah um but i would say this i think a lot of the contempt that was piled on that band mm -hmm. was was kind of dishonest i mean they're, they're horrible yeah i think a lot of it was like you said it was people just piling on like at some point it became cool to hate nickelback so it was like bacon on the internet like how everybody was like i like bacon i'm one of you guys i like it too i eat bacon every day and well it was, it was yeah like, i also hate nickelback i think they're a terrible band it's like do you, or are you just saying that because everybody else does? 
It was very much, I think, a, a case of, of sort of asserting or proving yeah. your bacon-loving bona fides. Yes. You know? uh, and which I have to say, I think, was related very much to a, a kind of class loathing. Um, mm-hmm. I think Nickelback is associated with, uh, you know, <laughs> I used this word earlier, so I, I, I don't know if I can say it now, but, you know, like meatheads. You can say meatheads. See, the thing about saying meatheads is everybody who is a meathead knows they're a meathead. And if anybody who doesn't think they're a meathead, okay, let me, let me start that saying over. Everybody who hears the term meathead either knows they're a meathead and they're okay with it or is in denial of them being in a meathead and doesn't admit that that's them. So you could say meathead and nobody's going to get offended because nobody's going to be like, Hey, I'm a meathead. You can't say that about me. Sure. That that's is maybe my issue is with uh, a, a certain sort of educated middle class uh, liberal type who will who who would rather pour scorn on on the meathead class than actually examine why there's even a meathead class. That is a very good point. Anyway, my what I was really what I really wanted to tell you was that, that Jonathan Simkin told me something very interesting about Nickelback when we were I think I was doing a bio. I don't Did they do a crossroads deal? Is that how they got so famous? No, no, but they did something very, very smart and, and not necessarily what you would expect from your average meathead. What was that? Played the same song a hundred times? They definitely did that. <laughs> but no, what they did is they took new country music and yeah. changed it just enough. So that it didn't sound like new country, but it but it definitely it essentially has the DNA of new country, and became the biggest rock rock band in the entire world using that formula. It yeah. was diabolically fucking clever because at the time the biggest genre, the best selling genre of music in the world, and this would be what the late nineties, early two thousands, was new country. So they used the I mean you know listen to the guitar sound on early Nickelback. That's that's yeah. got a little, it's just enough Nashville in it. Yeah, just enough fucking Shania Twain in it. Don't get just it. enough twang. That's a good point. They did it. They were very smart in that way. Yeah, because yeah, when they start, they started in I think '94, and they were like pretty much a full-on grunge band at that point. Yeah, and, and then like they sounded like Pearl Jam, yeah, all those other bands like that, and then they kind of morphed into that, like what you're saying, the like rock bastard child of country. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying that their manager told me that. And, uh, and, and well, I'm saying it too. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, anyway, like, I yeah just... like one of my, one of my contentions with the band was each of their songs did sound like a mathematic equation instead of rock music. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was deeply calculated. Yeah. Like there was um, no, this is my emotions coming through in a song. It was like, okay. We hit the computer, we did some calculations, we think this will be popular, and then we'll sell it. It was like that one time at the Nerve, remember, after Our Lady Peace had kind of gone away, and then you were talking about how Rain <laughs> Maida was making the drummer do like a double, what was it? He was, it, was like what I, it was like when dance rock was really pop, becoming popular, like block party and stuff, and this was back in the nerve days and you were complaining about how rain Mado was making his guitarist make the sound of like the strokes and stuff so that 
in a last ditch effort, Our Lady Peace could come back. <laughs> I don't like, I, just do anything to be popular. I don't remember that at all uh, <laughs> because I've managed to effectively, uh, uh, d- you know, there's, I have no memory of Our Lady Peace. I've put them out of my mind forever. Wait, does, is Rain Maiden now your neighbor on Salt Spring Island? And hey, he, he, he could be. Salt Spring Island is full of 90s Canadian <laughs> musicians oh my god are the doughboys there no but we got a we got a we got at least one grape of wrath we got a we got a well i like grapes of wrath oh my god could you imagine if instead of like a celebrity tour or a ghost tour you had a canadian 90s music tour you you could do that yeah the drummer from 5440 matt johnson he lives here Um, oh cool raffi lives here Raffi, you, you probably remember Raffi. You're young. Yeah, he he came out right when I was at the age to listen to Raffi with Baby like Banana Phone. Yeah, Baby Beluga. I'll See, say this about Raffi. He yeah. doesn't have a great reputation in some ways. But but you go back and listen to Banana Phone. The fucking the, the songwriting and the playing on that record, it's top notch. I'm not it's, being I'm, I'm not being funny. It's actually yeah. really good. I mean, I have um, kids. I had to listen to that shit constantly, but I I didn't mind it. There's way worse kids' music. I, you know, Raffy. Oh yeah. As an, as an artist, I kind of give Raffy the thumbs up. Yeah. Um, as, as a human, I couldn't speak to this. I've never met him personally, and I don't know the uh, bad reputation which you speak of. But I can only imagine it was just a guy trying really hard to get famous and not having enough time for the common man. Which is like with Ellen DeGeneres. It's basically <laughs> like everybody thinks she's a dickhead. And yeah, she probably is. But that's what you got to be to be famous. Like you don't get to be a famous person by just taking time out of your day to talk to every fucking schmo on the street. You no, got to have a laser focus and get the shit you need to get done. This is true. everybody else. This is absolutely true. And, and it's, it's, you know, Rafi exists on the outer rings of of this uh, machine or this dynamic that you're talking about but uh, ellen DeGeneres exists right in the fucking hot center yeah. of it, and she will do whatever it takes to maintain her wealth and her prestige of course it's all falling apart for her now because wealth and prestige means nothing when for instance i mean she i think she works for time warner and time warner is cratering right yeah now. So they're fucking throwing everybody overboard, and it's it's a great spectacle. Now I want to say this, mm-hmm. and this is this is going to give a synthesis, because mm-hmm. there are a number of things that we were supposed to talk about, including Maori's. Well, like, what we've done since you're on the last time was we do this thing where we do rapid fire, where everything oh. that we didn't get to catch up to and talk about in the last ten minutes, we give like a little short point on it. All right, all right. Just because is that, is that was, what we're doing now? I was bitter because I was doing research and finding stuff to talk about and then never talking about it. So I felt like I was wasting my time. And since were you I, though, or were you just, were you just, uh, well, I mean, what's wrong with learning? It's homework. Okay. If I wanted to learn, I would have learned back when it was the time and I'd be rich now. How's that? Yeah, no, you, you wouldn't be rich. Cause you know why you're not going to do. Nice. You're not going to do what it takes to join the club. No, I'm not. No, and I have a giant mouth. Like as soon as you're like, there's this secret thing that we are all doing, and you can be part of the cool, like the cool rich guy club, whatever we do. But like as soon as they're like, here's the owl god you have to like sing in front of, and then we like throw an effigy into it. Like what? What's that oil? 
at like Bohemian Moloch. Yeah. They're like right in front of Moloch. And I would leave there and I would drive straight to the nearest bar and I would tell everybody that there's these crazy assholes dancing and worshiping an owl god and it's all the rich people and then they'd be like dale you can't be in our club anymore yeah that's pretty much the shape and size of it yeah yeah so basically the only reason i'm not famous is because oprah prays to an owl god i don't know if she still <laughs> ah, of course she does <laughs> she she prayed to harvey weinstein mm. wait she prayed <laughs> or was pray no, I don't think he was interested in her. No. But, uh, uh, you know, sexually, if that's what you mean. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I think she did bask in his influence. Uh, because they all do. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just standard operational procedure. So, yeah, it's like, what? I could be rich and famous, and all I have to do is have questionable morals and not stand up for what's right and human? Yeah, I'll do that. Oh, yeah, no, if you're prepared to throw anybody, including, you know, trafficked children under the bus, you're going to yeah. do okay. Yeah. Like there's a reason like there's not enough pie to make everybody rich and famous. So they have to like weed out all the normal people and only have evil people in there. I guess. I, I think yeah, yeah. I, I in a nutshell. I don't know. I like to, I like to make up reasons why I'm not rich and it usually centers around me being a nice guy and not being evil and that's the reason I'm not rich. Oh, not no, no, Dale, Dale. Ambition. Dale, in your in your uh <laughs> in your uh, delightfully childlike way. Mm -hmm. I think that you're completely right about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to I, I just want to mention this. Yeah. Listen, listen to this because you okay. brought up Ellen, but um in June, I, in the midst of my COVID no-job depression, I, I, uh, I spent some time putting together a, a little video, music video, for, for the band I play with. What band here. do you play with? I'm embarrassed to say the name. Because uh, uh, it's goofy. But it's all it one like, word. Is it like the penis touchers or something? Why is it? Why are you embarrassed? No, who the fuck would call their band the penis? Why would you touchers? be? Tell me the. You got to tell us the band name now. Band, oh, of course I'm going to tell you. If you shut okay. up for a minute. No, it's going. <laughs> it's we're called Salt Spring Underground, but it's all one word, and it's and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a joke to us because. What's embarrassing about that? Well, it's not. It's not it's embarrassing. Who said it was embarrassing? It's just, well, it's, <laughs> It's you a, just said it. You said I don't want to tell you it's embarrassing. It's like it's, kind of, embarrassing. it's like a joke that's funny to four of us. Hey, those are the best jokes. Maybe. Yeah. Um, we uh, we 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 uh, finished a record just before uh, COVID happened. Yeah. And uh, we we're all excited about putting it out and going to Vancouver and playing it and stuff. Uh, well, we couldn't do it because COVID happened. So instead, oh. we're just sort of sitting on it. And in the meantime, I put together a video for one of the songs on that record which is called uh, bring me one of everything and yes. it's and it's uh I'm, I'm sure that you know as indicated by the title it's about um it's about decadence and profligacy and and, and the kind i like of, decadence no well i'm talking about decadence on the scale that you're you're not permitted to enjoy because you're a good person it, it's oh. about it's about it's about the worst element in society Mm. And uh, and I was at, I was nasty. I did it without even telling the band. I put together this little video, mm -hmm. and it was basically it was just me getting, grabbing clips of all of the things that just kind of were pissing me off in the moment and putting them all together. And 
if you go and look at it now, and you can look it up, it's called Bring Me One of Everything by Salt Spring Underground. It's on the YouTube. It's all on the Salt YouTube. Spring yeah, all one, all one word. Salt Dude, you're going to get like three hits from this. I hope so. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, there's a lot of Ellen in there. And I, That's I, funny. I would like to maybe give a little shout out to my own precognitive abilities because because the video is sort of about the collapse of the empire and, mm-hmm. and especially uh those people who work in the entertainment industry and i would include the clintons and the obamas <laughs> in that in that yeah. cohort i really just think that they're basically they're just late night entertainers to me yeah and uh they're all in there along with ellen i got this are you still there? Right. Yeah, I'm here. I got this. Uh, I, yeah, I had this. I got this real boner for Ellen while I was making it. And then, what? Fucking six weeks later, boom, she's finished, man. Yeah, that's like came out of nowhere. So you know who else is in there that I hope will be finished? You yeah. got your Tom Hanks. You got mm-hmm. your Steven Spielberg. You got your Bill Gates. You got your Grimes. You got your fucking that guy you like, Elon Musk. Yeah, I think Elon Musk is gonna drag Grimes with him because he keeps. He keeps- I've got- Yes. yes. He keeps saying like weird, like hateful shit on the, on like the Twitter. And then like, there's one time when Grimes was like, yo, we got to take your phone away. You can't just say stuff like this. He's clinically insane. And yeah. she is clinically attracted to power. And I, I, they both are, they're both going to go to hell. You know, what I'm just going to say, I haven't really liked Grimes since her first album. And I only really like, and I only think two of those songs were slappers anyway. So, right. Like, if you're, vo- if you're judging a musician's self worth by their music, I'd say she's like a two. <laughs> but those two songs, they're pretty good. That's fair enough. You know, like the whole thing, you know, a broken clock, you know, is right twice a day. Mm-hmm. There's that. You yeah, know, that's you know who true. Was, you, know, you, you know who was consistently right for many, many years on end was Waylon Jennings. Yes, he was. Especially his last album, which was Experimental. That song, This Outlaw Shit Is Out of Hand. Is that what it was called? <laughs> yeah, This Outlaw Shit Has Done Got Out of Hand, I think was actually the title. Yeah, that's yeah. a good song. <laughs> it is a really good song. And it's, it's weird because it's like... It's like um, Sturgill Simpson is like kind of the only person I could think of who plays like this weird, like psychedelic old style country music, yeah, which I didn't yeah. even know was a thing. No, he's, but he's, and then he adds DMT into the mix, which is yeah. pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I didn't like Waylon's Jungle record much. I, I haven't listened to that. So, you, so, so there's a guy in my band, Salt Spring Underground, Chris Arnett, brilliant yeah. man. He was, uh, he formed, um, well, the the I guess, I guess you could call it the the very first punk band in Vancouver. Wait, so when I make this tour of Salt Spring Island, and I go to view all the '90s musicians, like Canadian indie musicians, am I just coming to your house? No, we don't invite those. What people. What band were you at? You were a touring drummer for. What band? I was in a band. I was in a band called John Ford, but but much more recently, I've been I've been Rich Hope's drummer for a very yeah. Long. That's the one I was thinking, yeah. and that's. He's pretty well known. So yeah, yeah. Rich is Rich is phenomenally talented. Uh, uh, very much beloved by by uh, the people who know about him. Uh, he's a critic's darling. Um, but he's he's. I I think Rich has never really had the success he deserves. In yeah. Or hey, I feel that about myself too. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel that way about it. He he's probably didn't get it either because he's also a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. He's a really nice guy, and he doesn't play dirty. I feel and I, like and that will very much hurt you in the music industry. It really will. Maybe not now where it's like, it's almost like a organic, like with Spotify and everything where there's no more gatekeepers like holding music back from the fans. I feel like now it's basically just like luck, like enough people stumble upon your music and then you get famous. It's not where like back in the day you used to have to be like nice to certain people. Otherwise nobody would hear your music on the radio. Yes. Nice to certain people. <laughs> Hey, doing nice things to those certain people, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so there's a part of me that really that agrees with you. The democratization of art, uh, because we live in this uh, digital realm yeah. where corporations, certainly in entertainment corporations at least, appear to be losing their purchase on the public pocketbook. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yes, it, I, I sort of agree with you and that that's really nice. However, what it leads to is an incredible glut of product out there and the, a difficulty for the quote unquote consumer to, to know what to listen to even, you know? Yeah. And, and so that now that is of course made even worse by the fact that you can't fucking play anywhere because, mm -hmm. because there's a virus. I think you're gonna see like maybe Pretty soon, I'd say you're going to see like the rise of the internet DJ, where it's basically someone who finds the music and goes through the glut and tells you what's worthwhile to listen to. Like, oh, the um, way the, the DJs used to do. Yeah. That's odd you would say that. I was just listening. Who was I listening talking? Somebody was talking about that very recently <clears throat> about the influence of the DJ back in the 50s and 60s and the 70s. Mm -hmm. And the DJ was an arbiter of taste. And, uh, in a lot of cases was really good mm -hmm. and in other cases wasn't so much but these days every dj every especially radio every radio yeah. dj is shit they're shit oh yeah they talk shit they're the worst people you wouldn't you would never invite them to your private bar and they definitely have appalling taste in music and even yeah. if you but you don't even know that because they're all listening to playlists that are constructed for them by somebody else right yeah, it's basically like they have national playlists and then they just talk in between the songs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they talk shit between the songs. Like, what I'm talking about would, I guess, be like what Pitchfork was at the height of... Is Pitchfork even around anymore? I don't fucking know. Like, basically, you're like I feel like you're going to see the rise of someone who is online and basically all they're going to do is be like, this is what you should listen to. Like there was this thing in like 2000 and like, I think it was like from 2009 to 13 and it was called SAG's list. And it was a lot, it was basically like all the indie music from Europe. And I don't know who SAG was, but they would put together this list and every month there would be like 30 songs on it from up and coming indie bands. And they were all good. And you'd listen mm -hmm. to that instead of like going out and listening to like the demos and stuff. Yeah, I like the sound of that. I thought SAG was an actors union, but okay. Yeah, there's the Screen Actors Guild, but it definitely was not that. Are we going to do these like fucking 10 minute hits or what? Wait, dude, after you're done with me, you're going to have to go lay paving stone. So what's your hurry? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm taking my son down to the beach. We're going for a, a swim. 
Oh, okay. That's better. That's that's actually worthwhile. We could hurry it up. We could start the rapid fire right now because I think once well, you start, what have we done? How long have we done this? For? What's how long is this, this show? Oh, really? Is that... the show is how long I say it is, Adrian? <laughs> oh, okay. No, oh, usually we try to do about an hour, but like we could because it's just like I don't know. I run out of stuff to talk about. Dude, on my podcast, I'm I'm always like fighting to make it shorter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk for an hour and a half, and I'm like, no, let's get it down to 35 minutes. People got shit to do, you know. No, I, I, not don't. least of which being like a, all the like a, all the other podcasts they have to listen to. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I see it. Like if people are going through the effort of listening to your podcast, they're gonna listen to it. Like for me, for me, I find that I don't even want to turn on a podcast unless it's at least an hour because I'll listen to it while I'm working. And I don't want to fucking reach into my pocket and fiddle around with all these like 30 minute podcasts and be like five, like 20 minute quick hits where everything's compressed. Like, I feel like arbitrarily making them shorter actually affects like the style of the conversation, but I'm a Joe Rogan fan and his three hours. Right. And like, that's another thing he did was he basically got, like consumer media to be okay with taking your time and having like conversational tones. Yeah. And I think that's really great. And I think it's really important. When I was, when I was a, a younger man, long, long time ago, back in the late eighties, uh, living in England, uh, channel four, which was, how come you don't have an accent? Accent. Well, it's a long story. No, we got time. Anyway, sorry. Just keep going <laughs> with your channel four story. Channel 4 was the fourth channel. Uh, Really? (laughs) Yeah. You're talking about BBC 4, Uh, right? No, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, look out. Oh, here's here's a little uh, guest appearance by my dog, Augie. Hi, Augie. Oh, he can't hear me because you're wearing headphones. (laughs) I basically just screamed in your ear at your dog. I'm going to throw some peanuts over there so he leaves me alone. Yeah. Off you go, buddy. Um, yeah, Channel 4. No, I, there were, yeah, your BBC One, your BBC Two, your ITV, which was the independent television station. Okay. And, and after a long time, Channel 4, which yeah. was also independent. And that's all you had. You said four channels. And Channel 4 used to have this amazing show. It's called After Dark. And it would start at midnight. And, and you would get you know, a bunch of people together, very, very interesting people. Like, I don't know fucking prince edward richard dawkins uh vladimir lenin <laughs> and uh <laughs> and and like glenda jackson and oliver reed they'd put them all in a room and yeah. tell them to, to like just yak for and it would go on till fucking five in the morning and all of it, they were just sitting around a table in a darkened studio and it was magnificent it was the, it was the yeah. second best thing on british television at the time after live snooker which was really great. And I could watch that for hours on end. Because they haven't played Snooker in years. Oh. It's funny because Snooker's like so big in in like Britain, but over here everybody's like, what is that? Like regular pool? You're like, well, no regular pool. I I think it it had a little bit of a uh, it had some cachet in the eighties because of Cliff Thurburn, who was a Canadian snooker champion. Oh, okay. Uh, but he was much, I think he was better known in the UK than he was in Canada. But, but he had, you know, he, he had a sort of a, he had some fame over here. But watching Snooker late at night was just wonderful, uh, especially if you were, you know, just baked to the bejesus belt. 
<laughs> I feel like watching snooker now super baked would still be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's never lost its appeal for me. I just I have 10 billion channels, but none of them are showing fucking snooker. Okay. And that's and that's how much entertainment has declined in the last 30 years. I'm sorry to derail the snooker talk, but let's get into the rapid fire cuz you want to go swimming with your child I really and do. be a good father. Yeah. I don't want to stand in the way of that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, first off, like you alluded to the Maori thing was a Canadian beer named a Canadian had a a Canadian brewing company had a beer named after the maori word for feather which they were then told by a maori gentleman is actually slang term for pubic hair yeah yeah How so do you- i i don't give a, a shit about this story but i will say this never fuck with the maori no and, don't and uh i i can say this from personal experience because in my band, Salt. Did I tell you I have a band, Salt Spring Underground? Oh, no, this <clears throat> is the first I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do. And, and uh, the guy that, that formed the band with me is uh, a Maori gentleman. Uh, is it The Rock? No, no. His name's Chris Arnett. Oh, and he, okay. and he, was, he was also, he formed the very first punk band in Vancouver. <laughs> in Vancouver. Which band? In, they were called The Furies. Okay. They did the, the first ever punk rock show in Vancouver. I can't remember the venue, but it was the Furies and one other band or maybe two other The bands. Furies is, is a good name for a band. Yeah, it's a very, very good name for a band. And I mean, I guess very, if very... you're the first punk band, you there's a lot of names to choose from. Oh, oh, an infinite number of names to choose from. Yeah, literally all of them. <laughs> the Weinsteins. There you go. The, the Degenerous. <laughs> he he so he's I'll, t- I'll tell you very quickly yeah many years ago because he's been living on salt spring since the 80s he left vancouver having formed punk mm-hmm. uh he moved to salt spring to become a sort of a farmer and yeah. uh, uh and he's maori and his brother-in-law weirdly enough is john Yu, who was the architect of uh the George W. Bush administration's torture policy. Torture cult? The policy, the torture policy. He argued, John Yu, he was an assistant attorney general, argued for the legality of torture in U.S. court and won on behalf of that administration. And then they started torturing people. That's his (laughs) brother-in-law. Kind of fucking crazy. I know. the first that's two ends of the spectrum yeah yeah because chris i think you know i don't want to speak for him but my 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 feeling is he does not approve <laughs> <laughs> of governmental u.s torture yeah i yeah, don't yeah. know i don't think he i don't think he endorses it yeah that would that would uh put his punk cred into question well and just his, his cred as a, a sort of a, a decent human being yeah that um, too uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he, so he found himself oddly enough in a situation. I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of school here. Mm-hmm. He found himself many years ago in a situation where a certain children's entertainer who may or may not live on Salt Spring Island had, yeah. had brought to the island, uh, a woman who was claiming to be the descendants of, uh, a, a people yeah. who, preceded 
the Maori in New Zealand. Well, now she's white, I guess, and uh, and that's a that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty indefensible position. Yeah. <laughs> to take. And uh, he went to this thing where she she, she sort of held the audience in a kind of uh, a, a sort of a, a rapture of, mm-hmm. of of new age horseshit. Yeah. And and he called her out on it. And uh, and there's the tapes exist of this thing. And I, and I guess uh, anyway, what it what he was telling me this just last night, and it made me think, fuck. One thing I will never do, having heard this is go out on a global tour pretending to be like a fake maori because yeah because they don't know, like that. she I, I i suspect she came all the way from new zealand to what would be like literally the furthest place away on earth <laughs> yeah i bet she was not thinking she would run into a maori gentleman <laughs> on salt spring island no no bad call bad yeah call. so that never backfired. fuck never fuck with a maori Okay, so moving on. Nobody really cares if they miss. Like I, I'd say keep the name of the beer because if it says pubic hair, that's funny. And I think in yeah, what's a wrong way, with that? I think in a way, people who drink craft beer and make that part of their personality would find that endearing, and they would drink even more of the beer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. I'm. I'm so disengaged from this thing. Uh, i'm just gonna agree with you yeah uh before when i mentioned i was talking to you about covid on salt spring island i was actually trying to lead into the whole sturgis stomp thing but we got tangented and left it on the table and moved on but what i wanted to say was so sturgis cat stir is it called sturgis stomp anymore is that a thing I don't even know. Uh, the, you sending me the link is the first thing I, time I've ever heard of this event. Okay. Well, I've heard of So Sturgis is a town in South Dakota where it's basically like the North American biker meetup where every summer up to 500,000 people who ride motorbikes of questionable legality background or not <laughs> go there and they hang out in this town and the town hates it and loves it because on one hand you have 500,000 fucking bikers and you can only imagine the kind of trouble that comes with that. But on the other hand, the area makes like $85 million a year just because of it. So they, this, they were supposed to cancel it with COVID, but then like a month ago, they're like, we're not fucking leaving money on the table. Mm -hmm. And we believe in like they, they pulled that whole, we believe in freedom shit where they're like freedom and or death. <laughs> yeah. We believe in freedom. You could do what you want. We just want your money because this town will go broke if you don't have it. So yeah, they basically it's like hundreds of thousands of bikers in this town and nobody's doing COVID because it's the type of people who think that COVID is a hoax or they believe that their rights supersede the the point of them wearing masks and stuff. So basically, yeah. they just feel like their rights can be expressed by not following COVID protocols. And so this is happening, right? I think it's still happening currently. And the big, like, yeah, so whatever, like, that's happening. Like, I don't, it's not really a social commentary thing. Like, it's stupid everybody can agree there's going to be they're going to like basically take covid and 
I would say take it to the corners of the U S that don't have it, but every corner of the U S has COVID right now. And yeah, but the thing, the thing where we're talking about the outrage is Budweiser and Coke are sponsoring this event, which yeah, whatever they're a giant corporation and they want money and yeah, they have the right. Like if you like Budweiser or Coke, you're going to drink it. But my problem is they're, also doing this thing where like we believe in like when they're advertising to people on the opposite side they're like yeah we believe in covid restrictions and all this stuff right like consume properly and they're basically just being hypocrites trying to make more money yeah are we so wait i'm am i are we supposed to express surprise i I mean they're they're I don't know. I just wanted to point out that it's something that's happening, and that's well. One of the things, one of the really delightful things about uh, COVID and just 2020 in general is that it's really you know the mask has dropped off of so many, so many things. I mean, get it, mask. I got it. I see what you did there. Oh no, that wasn't deliberate. But yeah, I'm unintentional dad pun. I'm so fucking brilliant. (laughs) No, let me put it another way. No, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, you know, like the, the the hypocrisy has been laid bare in so many different ways. So of course, was ever thus uh, any any corporation on the, the level of Budweiser or uh, uh, Coca Cola is is going to do what it, make the you know do the PR efforts that are required in the moment. So they're mm-hmm. always going to say the right thing. I mean, I remember Kylie Jenner uh, handing a Pepsi to a riot cop or what the fuck ever. You know, like that's what they do. Um, but no, I mean, they're 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 uh, the handmaidens of of corporate uh, global fascism. They always will be. Uh, and don't drink that shit, people. For fuck's sakes, get wise. Stop it. Stop it. Bleed them dry. Uh, just starve them of oxygen. If you if it, if this is the thing, there. <laughs> Dale, that finally gets you to stop drinking Coke and uh, Budweiser. Great. Right. I, I think my gout had something to do with that. Oh yeah, right. you've got gout. Like yeah, yeah. Did, don't you remember me bringing it up on every single podcast? No. I basically no. just bring it up because I'm so bitter that I can't eat garbage anymore. So what is that? Gout is like little crystals of salt inside your joints. Or so it's I like just make that up. No, it it is crystals, but it's um fuck are they it's basically like pea crystals get inside your bloodstream your <laughs> urine crystals it, it's it's like linked with pee it's it's a horrible disease basically it's like um your body makes like an acid what is it why can't i think of anything right now anyways uh-huh. so basically your body makes these um makes acid or whatever to break down like proteins and right. certain okay. types of food and then if you eat too much of that food like it's called the king's disease because it basically comes from eating too much rich food like steak red meat fish uh wine and like unhealthy fats and stuff so yeah. your body makes too much of those too much of that chemical or whatever that acid and then it just pools in your body and turns into crystals. And then what's called the gout flare-up is when you eat like a steak, your body's like, oh, fuck, we better make these crystals or these, these chemicals to get rid of the steak, not knowing that there's still so much in your body already from the last time you ate it, yeah. that it crystallizes on your joints and it 
when you have an, a reaction to it, it feels like arthritis. I see. I see. Yeah. I'm sorry so, to hear that you have this. I, it's you, my fault for eating like a dickhead for so many years. Like, it was never like someone's like, oh, you have this. Not, and I was like, how it's not did your I get fault. that? It's not your fault for eating like a dickhead. It, it, however, it is the fault of uh, a, a system and infrastructure that pushes that shit at you constantly. You were grown up, or rather yeah. you, you grew up being told to drink Coke and no. Budweiser and to eat. Well, I mean, in some ways- I actually grew up on a many, farm many where I was were. told that all that stuff is super bad for you and not to do it. And then it backfired. And then when I was finally out of the house, I was like, I'm going to eat all the junk I can. Oh, that was your rebellion. Yeah. Your, and your rebellion was getting gout. Yeah. That's how I'm sorry. How I you like laugh. that, Dad? I got gout by eating garbage. That'll show you. <laughs> it's really harsh that like your whole entire podcast is just riven with ill health because poor old Derek can't get out of oh, bed. Oh yeah. Well, that that's more of a like he tried to lift weights. I think what initially happened was he was lifting weights and he slipped a disc, right. and then he didn't realize how bad it was and he kept like running and working out and doing stuff. And then it just kind of got worse. And then what happened was a protrusion left one of his slip discs and like pushed against his sciatic nerve. And that's what sciatica is. Right. So it basically sends horrific shooting pains up and down your legs. Yes. I got sciatica way back in the day from sitting on my wallet in a van on tour. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hmm. it's awful. So I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for Derek. I have very little yes. sympathy for you. But I have, a, I have a lot of sympathy for Derek. Basically, my, my health impediment is like, yo, fucko, the party's over. Eat like a human. And I'm like, all right. So are you eating like a human? Yes, I am. If I don't eat properly, it feels like I sprained my ankle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Henry VIII, right? Henry VIII in my life. I was, uh, gout was always associated with Henry VIII. Yeah, because he, he was, was a king. Yeah, I didn't behead anybody, though. Not I did yet. not kill my wives for not giving me a son. Yeah, well, you know, there's still time. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't had any wives either. So <laughs> think of that what you will. <laughs> um, next on the rapid fire is Party Bus. They're not very fucking rapid, these rapid fires. No, they're not. Party bus, again, who cares? Fuck these people. Like, my whole thing was like, people were like, oh, party bus got turned away from a downtown bar in Vancouver and they weren't allowed to go in. It's like, who the fuck is running a party bus? COVID well, like, is still a thing. So like your, your Sturgis thing, Smash Mouth was on stage and they, yeah. I, guess, I guess they made the headlines again. And everybody uh, made the joke that he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Is that a joke? Yeah. Why? Because he's dumb for playing uh, at Sturgis during COVID. Well, yeah, but the Smash Mouth is one of those weird institutions that just seems to persist no matter what. Yeah, uh, I know. It's with like the, with the support of an industry that we think doesn't exist anymore, but apparently does. Uh, in any case, they were never. Wait, 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 we wait, never wait, wait, what? Well, Smash Mouth is like. What I mean is, uh, Smash Mouth is always there. Smash Mouth yeah. will continue to have hit singles into the future they'll always be on movie soundtracks for as long as movies yeah for as long as hollywood exists just be, just because they're sort of maybe they're in the club these yeah. things are very you know you start seeing the 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 outlines the contours of this 
weird system that makes no mm -hmm. sense. And Smash Mouth is a great example of this, as is Our Lady Peace, a Canadian band that, that nobody liked. Mm -hmm. Nobody liked them. They were objectively terrible, and yet they had the support of the Canadian music industry for quite a long time. Yeah, and and had a certain sort of cachet and a certain amount of of uh, sort of insider power. That made no sense because they were fucking shit. They were like absolute. They were true shit. And 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 yeah, they were. And, and, and you see this again and again and again. Smash Mouth, <laughs> true shit. Um, the thing I don't I, get about I mean, Smash Mouth is they like are basically most well known for having this theme song to shred or Shrek, which yeah. is a cover of a monkey song. Right. And now they're playing it like a fucking biker thing. Like what yes, is if, that? If you really aren't interested in life <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 you, and you just sort of take what's thrown at you, <laughs> then smash mouth makes sense. Yeah, you're, like, you're sitting there on your hog, mm -hmm. thinking, "Fucking hell, hey, Smash Mouth, great," you know. And they're doing their horrible monkeys covers. I think yeah. they ska, they do ska versions of things. I remember I was very upset with them at one point, decades ago. They because, ruined the monkeys for you, did they? Well, they did kind of ruin. They didn't. They'll never. No one will ever ruin the monkeys. <laughs> we'll take the monkeys to ruin the monkeys for me. Yeah, and they haven't done that yet, but. They did. I remember they did a cover version of uh, "Can't Get Enough of You, Baby," which was a yeah. fucking fantastic song by a fantastic band called Question Mark and the Mysterians, who also had a, a, a huge hit in the '60s with a song called "96 Tears." And Question Mark and the Mysterians never made a goddamn penny out of anything. Smash Mouth, of course, are fucking whining and dining on the types of food that give you gout. You yeah, know? they are. And not only that, they're probably having. I'm not going to say that because I don't want to get sick. If you could diagnose someone as having gout by looking at them, Smash the Mouth. lead singer of Smash Mouth has gout. And the entire organization that supports Smash Mouth. Mm -hmm. There's an epidemic of gout in there. <laughs> and also, very possibly, because I, I want to I distinguish you from these yeah. people. Very possibly, they are rapists could be they could be involved in this whole epstein like child trafficking thing you said it yeah i mean if you told me that smash mouth went to fuck island with epstein and bill clinton you wouldn't be surprised was, at all you wouldn't I would be not be surprised if you told playing, me that the, the house smash band. mouth sat next to bill clinton yeah. 26 times he went to fuck Island where he hung out with his friend Epstein. I would not be surprised. You really wouldn't. Right? If you told me that the yeah. singer of smash mouth is sat beside the guy who's supposed to speak at the DNC convention every single time he went back to Epstein's Island. I would not be surprised. You, if you were looking at the manifests for the Lolita express and you saw, yeah, Epstein, or sorry, uh, you saw Clinton, Trump, uh, Gates, Steven mm -hmm. Pinker, maybe a Christopher Hitchens or two, singer from Smash Mouth. No, you wouldn't bat a fucking eye. No, I would be like, yeah, that place, like Smash Mouth was pretty big in the late 90s. I guess they were famous enough to go to fuck they, island. They have an inexplicable amount of success. 
yes. an inexplicable amount of uh, access in the industry and mm -hmm. an inexplicable amount of support. It makes yeah. no sense on any level. They're, they keep showing up on DreamWorks soundtracks. What the fuck is that all about? I told you, you know, <laughs> I told you to watch that Salt Spring Underground video. You'll see. You'll see. Yeah, I, it's funny I, how. We, we've said before, I turned out that I was, turned out I was right years ago about all these things that you made fun of. And now, now they're all coming true. And this little video that I made for Salt Spring Underground is my, my latest act of uh, uh, prediction. I have a very important question for you. Is the singer of Smash Mouth QAnon? Is that why he knows all this stuff? Because he has access to no. all these underground pedophile rings and cults. No, but he's, he's probably donated money to keep QAnon running because QAnon is, is a fantastic yeah. uh, uh, disinformation program mm -hmm. and it's making a lot of people real stupid. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to cover... Like, I think Smash Mouth is the key to everything. I wouldn't Once, <laughs> fucking like, argue. Because <laughs> if you say, how does Smash Mouth... How are they still around? Who's supporting them? Why do they show up in like DreamWorks pictures at like fucking biker things? If we figure that out, it'll probably be the key to everything. They're in the club, my friend. They're in the club just like, how do you say it? Beyonce? Whatever. All of Beyonce? those people are. Yeah, Elon Musk. They're all in the club. But you can't say it because you bring up QAnon because, because, because then, then, you know, you look like a fucking crazy right-wing conspiracy theorist, which I'm not. You know, what I am, though, is a, is a man with his eyes open somewhat. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm willing to go out on a limb and, and say that uh, classically, uh, conventionally, historically, uh, although, we, although we have some fun at its expense, conspiracy theory often contain, contains a, a grain of truth. And, yes, and it does. That's always been the the plan with disinformation: is you ninety percent truth, ten percent horseshit. But it's mm -hmm. the ten percent of the horseshit that really attracts people and dis, uh, uh, discredits everything. I said that yes. in the last episode. I gotta take my kids swimming, dude. Yeah, I I mean, let's end on Smash Mouth being the key to every conspiracy <laughs> ever. Okay. Because that's a great point to, to end. I think, and if, I think, and if I think Smash Mouth worth, comes out, some if, investigation. If this podcast isn't back next week, Smash Mouth got me. They shut <laughs> us down. Keep your eyes peeled, listeners, viewers. That chick that yelled at me last time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's uh, a singer for Smash Mouth. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. Until next time, stay angry. I, oh, I will. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>